Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, once again joined by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. This week, the UFC may be off, but that is not stopping me and Shockwave from giving you our picks on fights, dogs, and parlays. This week, we'll be breaking down Eagle FC 44, headlined by Tyrone Spong and Sergei Karatanov. An exciting heavyweight clash, and there's a bunch of bangers on this card, so make sure you tune in. Plus, it helps you win a little bit of money, which never hurts. And in addition to that, I'm also going to be giving you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is Blood Diamond, teammate of Israel Adesanya, talking about his long journey to the UFC. And then later on, I'll be talking to Jason Witt, the Vanilla Gorilla, about, get this, sleep. And we're going to get to both those interviews and the, that great Fights, Dogs, and Parlay segment in just a moment. But before we do, I do need to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's basically like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, you can check out our bonus picks over there, each and every UFC card, but only on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is the one they simply know as Blood Diamonds, who is scheduled to fight at UFC 271. That fight will be on February 12th, but right now it is with an opponent to be determined at a later date. So, Blood Diamond, I, I actually wanted to start right there. You know, you, you're supposed to fight a Ryan Kowski. He, he's reported to be out of that bout because of issues with training around COVID and stuff like that. Update us. Are you still planning to be on that card? And if so, do they have some new opponents lined up for you? A hundred percent, man. Uh, I really have been working my butt off to, you know, get uh, get this first fight uh, done. Uh, and uh, also, the people I'm on the fight with, they just, yeah, they've been inspiring me and all that. So it'll be actually awesome having me, Carlos, and uh, Israel on the same card. It's yeah, it's just something I've been really looking forward to. Yeah, and I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that because obviously you get to not only debut on a card that has two of your friends on it, but it's headlined by one of your friends in Israel, Adesanya. You're with Carl Solberg the whole time in camp. What does it mean to you to get to be on a fight card with Izzy, headlining it, pay-per-view, tons of fans? Oh, man. Uh, like, uh, I've been asked the same question a few times. It, it is actually awesome. Uh, uh, the fact that uh, me and those two guys have both been on... Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, New Zealand uh, top uh, kickboxing uh, promotion, King in the Ring, and uh, we've both taken in, uh, taken that. Uh, uh, we, we've both won that tournament, and uh, we've both done it um, multiple times. So yeah, it's just like um, think of it like New Zealand's uh, uh, combat kings fighting on the UFC on the same card. So yeah, it really means a lot to me. It's, 
So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just real positive about what's going to happen and just looking forward to to whatever uh, I've got, you know, whoever opponent I have. So, yeah, the game plan is still the same. Keep training hard and, yeah, uh, maybe a few minor adjustments uh, according to who we're fighting. But, yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that, too. Obviously, you've been preparing for this fight for a little while, and now you got, you know, two of your friends who are training for specific opponents. Is it weird that you're now just sort of, like, training the things that you're really good at and, you know, without being able to focus on an opponent? You know what? Like, uh, for me, it's, it's a biggie because I've done this so many times. Um, there's a, there, was, there has been a period in my uh, fighting career. I was in China, and uh, basically... Like there was a fight every other week, so I never had that time to what is it called watch and have a game plan for all my opponents. All I had to do was focus on what I'm good at, you know. And um, usually, I most of the times I found out as I was in the ring, like okay, uh, this guy is good at that and that, and yeah, just the the key is to just uh stick to my fundamentals, and yeah, that that's gonna help me. Through it, so yeah. Uh, I I believe in my uh, my talent and my skill, so yeah, just gotta keep on working hard. That's it. For sure. Now you you mentioned your time in China kickboxing, and you're saying fighting every other weekend, which is an insane concept for most people who follow MMA or or follow any combat sport for that matter. Is that sort of what you prefer though? Do you prefer to be a super busy guy when it comes to competing, or do you do you like to take more time in between your fights? Definitely, I love to compete. That that's just my thing, you know. Um, like, if if it's possible, I would like to get through all my all the the my full fight contract through this year, you know. Uh, just gotta, yeah, take every opportunity I can, and yeah, hopefully, like, also be in uh, similar cards with my other training partners. So yeah, just be keeping an eye on that, staying busy. I mean, to be honest, I'm not getting any younger, so I'm going to make the most of it right now. The iron ore is still hot. For sure. Now, now, you mentioned, too, lots of experience and getting to fight all the time, but, you know, for MMA fans who maybe looked up your record when they saw you get signed, it only says 3-0. and It is sort of a short record, and, you, you know, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're one of the less experienced MMA-only fighters to be signed to the UFC, what do you have to say to those fans who perhaps have not known that you have, you know, hundreds of kickboxing fights and glory and stuff like that when they see that kind of record? Oh, wait and see. That's all <laughs> I can say. Like, I, 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 um, I don't, I don't have much to say really. I just, just gotta be, just gotta show up. So that's why it's, that's another thing. It's important to, for me to get that first fight in and then, yeah. And, the non-believers will start believing and jump onto that I love it. Now, you know, you've mentioned lots of kickboxing experience, and, and obviously the thing that goes through most people's mind when they hear about a kickboxer moving to MMA is about their experience with the takedowns and their grappling experience and what that looks like. And obviously over time, we've seen Israel Adesanya, your teammate, prove time and time again that he can handle those people and he can handle those things. Is that something that you spend a lot of time on personally, being that you're from a kickboxing background? Uh, I mean, so when I start, first started uh, training uh, uh, MMA, uh, one of my first coaches, uh, 
was um, Colin Oyama. And all he told me was, like, you don't need to be the best wrestler or the best jiu-jitsu fighter, you know. Uh, all the fights start on your feet. So you just need to, like, be real efficient at what you're doing. So that's what we have been doing. Like, of course, I know everyone is going to want to take me down. Um, uh, that, that, that's a no-brainer. But um, really, what the thing is, I've put in so much work into my my art, my craft. Like, I'm actually, I really do feel comfortable, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I guess right now it's just a matter of giving me that chance to show what I've got. And, yeah, and I guess shine. I love it. Now you, you said in there too your your first coach was Kaun Oyama, is that correct? Uh so uh, what is it called? Um Colin Oyama uh, he helped me he trained me and like uh, that's when I was more focused on that MMA journey. Like uh, when it first started I was uh, too keen on like I've always wanted to be a stand up fighter, but um uh after my um what is it called? After my campaign in um in China uh, I came back home and um, we started uh, doing a little bit of MMA. Uh, but my biggest, my my dream was uh, to what fight in glory. So um, my co, both my coach Eugene and Tristan uh, were like, oh yeah, maybe give it a go in uh, LA. In uh, what is it called? Yeah, LA. And we went there, and of course I was still chasing that glory glory dream. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, Colin was just like, oh, you know, you could actually make it into the UFC. You just uh, we, you need to work on a few things. If you're interested here, you can jo- join in the MMA group. And yeah, since then I just uh, became more focused on MMA, you know. Uh, and uh, in that journey, I managed to get my glory fight. Uh, didn't work out as planned, but um, yeah, uh, like yeah, it was a good, good way to start, you know. Uh, being coached by someone who has had legends in the game, uh, who's been there for a while, you know. And, uh, yeah, he still has uh, quite a few fighters uh, in the UFC. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. I, I didn't realize that you had trained in the United States with Kaun Oyama. Now, I'm curious, too, you know, you said that you dreamed kickboxing and you always wanted to be a stand-up fighter. He had kind of talked you into doing some MMA on the side as well. When did you make the decision that MMA was going to be the move or that, that you would change back that way? Was it just being offered a UFC contract? Um, it was more of um, what is called evolving. I wanted to evolve as a as an athlete, you know. Um, that challenge, you know, just, I've been for me. It was just like okay, I've been doing kickboxing for a while, you know. Like I, I, I was I didn't feel challenged. Uh, as much uh, so I wanted something new so when MMA came through I'm like okay that that is different like I, at, at the beginning I was scared it was scary you know it's something new again so I'm like yeah it is fighting but it was scary for a bit but once I got that first fight you know I realized how comfortable I was you know and slowly getting that confidence and yeah keep, kept on learning so you know I've got a few things um I, I picked up from uh Team Oyama and uh, what is it called, Ten Planet Irvine, and uh, mixing it up with uh, what I'm learning at CKB, uh, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like I, I was I was given an advantage, so yeah, uh, and it just gave me that drive to just keep on wanting more. 
And then, you know, talks of possible, like, uh, Eugene started, uh, you know, inspiring me, also believing in me, saying, yeah, you, can, you can do it, you know, you can do MMA. And I'm, I was, like, fully into it and uh, started uh, training, uh, trying to get more fights. But unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, it got harder. The grind never stopped, you know. So, but um, now now I've got that opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of a bit of an exciting journey. You know? Yeah, that sounds like an exciting journey. Now, I'm curious too because you said you know obviously working in the states and you were chasing dreams here, but it was your coaches who encouraged you to come to LA and your coaches who encouraged you to work with Timo Yama. Was it always the plan to go back to New Zealand and was it always the plan to to keep working with Eugene and that crew? Yeah, well, uh, that was the thing. Like, it was we're trying. Like when I was in uh, uh in LA, I was trying to we tried to get our fights, but uh, you know, the visa situations were pretty difficult, and also financial situations were getting harder as well. So it was easier being home, and uh, also again, um, after all this traveling, it's just like anything else, nothing beats home, you know. Um, like, uh, just, yeah, that environment. Um, Timo Yama was great and all that, but uh, just, I guess I missed home and, yeah, just wanted to be home. So it was it was good. For me, it's more like it's good to continue the journey where I originally started. And, uh, yeah, just uh, seeing how far it was going to take me. And, yeah, yeah, I am now. Well, we love it, and we're looking forward to the debut. Now, before I let you go, I did want to ask you about the origin of your nickname because it is very unique, and and you go by your nickname almost exclusively instead of going by your birth name. What what is the origin of Blood Diamond? When did you start going by that nickname? Uh, as soon as I got into the gym, just it's just a name I got, and then it's a name I stuck with, and you know, uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know, like, <laughs> it, let's just say it, it became a new chapter in my life, you know. Um, I've, I've had, like, my, my past was rocky and all, but uh, once I got into the gym, everything just became clear, you know. Um, I, owe, I owe, really owe uh, Doug Eugene and uh, the CKB family a lot. And, uh, I cannot repay them the only way I can. The only way I feel like I can repay them is to represent them and, uh, yeah, just do my best, you know. That's all, yeah, that's how I see it. So so the minute you walked in the gym, you, you started this new chapter, you started going by Blood Diamond. How did you choose that name or did somebody choose it for you? <laughs> it was it was just given to me by, by I forgot, by one of my coaches. You know, it's one of those things. When I first got there, I was... Real quiet, just didn't wanna, just, just well, wanted to learn how to fight and all, and yeah, I'm just this quiet person. And it, it just happened, and I guess that's um how they were welcoming me into their family, and yeah, I never left. Well, I certainly love it, and I'm really looking forward to your debut. Once again, fans, this has been Blood Diamond, who is scheduled to fight on UFC 271. That's on February 12th. Stay tuned for an opponent, hopefully to come soon. Blood Diamond, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers.
Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with the man known as Blood Diamond. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let, let's first start here. All contract talks aside and crazy Dana White not putting the belt on him and the 900 different things we could talk about about that fight. Let's talk about the thing that's actually much more fun to talk about. What did you think of Francis Ngannou's ground game? Uh, I was very impressed, but I actually, I'm going to go against the rules and regulations you just put on me and bring it back to something else having to do with this contract. This man should be signed to a long-term deal. He's everything the UFC should want in a champion. He went out of his way to learn English, to perfect his English, so he'd be better in media appearances. He turns eyeballs at the airport, which was always a big thing for Vince McMahon when he was creating stars in WWE. He's larger than life, and as a striker first, to go out and get good at wrestling, get good at grappling, not easy to do when you didn't grow up doing it. It just speaks to the character of Francis Naganu, and he's someone, if I was running an MMA promotion, I would want to invest in. So now that I've broken all your rules, I'll bring it back to your original question and say I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, well, I think you answered the question while while breaking one of my rules, while following the other one, too, because, like, you're right. The, the thing about him is he keeps getting better at everything you don't expect him to be better at. I mean, like, even the Stipe fight, which he did flash some brilliance of the wrestling there as well, even the Stipe fight that he won by knockout, he showed us a whole bunch of new wrinkles. The dude just keeps getting better. It's stuff we've talked about for years about, like, what a dominant champion is, right? Like... Uh, Kamara Usman is a dominant champion because he keeps finding new wrinkles. That's what we loved about GSP. I don't think we've ever had a heavyweight champion who's done those types of things, right? Like, we, we've never had a guy who's completely evolving his game and adding new wrinkles at heavyweight. We, You know, we've had guys get a little bigger or, you know, you know, Brock Lesnar, I guess, had a head and arm choke. But that's like the most development to his game. We've got this guy who's a well-rounded dude. We're going to sit here and fight with him about how much he gets paid. The dude would easily make them back their money on whatever he's asking for. It's a shame he's not going to get it. Um, but, yeah, uh, very impressed with, with what he's doing on the ground there. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think even, you know, Kane is looked at as, like, a top three heavyweight of all time. And even he, his game from year one to his final year was cardio and pressure wrestling. You know, Kane never necessarily evolved to become like an elite striker. You know, he relied on output more so than he did fancy footwork, let's say. Brock, I mean, you know, obviously Brock, as a piece of clay that you could have molded from a young age, could have been the greatest fighting machine ever invented in a lab. But, you know, he got to the UFC a little older. He got sick. He also never really pushed the boundaries of his limitations in jiu-jitsu or striking. Clearly, he never liked to get hit. You're completely right that at the heavyweight division, Francis is showing an all-around uh, game that, you know, you don't typically see in people around 250 pounds or so, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to watch whatever happens next with it. It is a shame, too, that that the knee surgery is probably what's next because I actually think that's going to push him out the UFC's door um, because he's not losing out on income while he's waiting for this contract to end. You know, he's, he's just going to be healing up. So um, yeah, ultimately I think uh, 
we might see the that might be the last fight in the UFC, but my God, what a fight it was. I, you know, I'll actually well, let's circle back to that. I think he'll be in the UFC again, but I think we're in for some turbulence here over the next year or so. Um, so we'll see. Uh, hey, guess what? We get to do our favorite segment on the show again this week. Fights, dogs, and parlays. But this time, we're not doing it for the UFC. We're doing it for MF and Eagle FC. It's Eagle FC 44. And if you're not hip to it, this is Khabib's promotion. Yes, you heard that right. The GOAT 155-er, one of the GOATs of all time, has bought himself an MMA promotion. He basically bought the burnt ashes of a Russian promotion eagle fc but he's bringing it to america and trying to take it mainstream and there's some good fights on this card we'll break that all down but gumby tell us does anyone sponsor this edition of fights dogs and parlays absolutely fights dogs and parlays is brought to you by double nickels sports betting check out nickels over on instagram at five five double nickels five five he'll send you five picks each and every morning from the worlds of mma nba nhl and nba and he's hitting them all the time Five to- five hits a week, or five hits a day, rather, and sometimes even more than that. He's been hitting you with bonus picks lately, so make sure you check him out. Over 30,000 people already have, and with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast, when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram, Double Nickels Sports Betting. How do they mention our podcast to get that 10% discount? You can do that through DM to him. Hit him with that DM and just tell him, just tell him Gumby and Shockwave sent you. I love it. All right, let's get to the main event because here are two names people will know. Tyron Sponge, a minus 185 favorite. Sergi Karatanov, a plus 155 dog. So let's talk about these two uh, MMA veterans, uh, which are headlining the show. In Sponge's case, he is coming off a, well, I'll tell you what, he's 14-0 as a boxer, and he last boxed in 2019, beat Jason Minda via TKO, and of course we know him from the world of kickboxing, coming off a loss back in 2014 to Gokan Saki, and when it comes to MMA, uh, he is 2-0, and and he is coming off a World Series of Fighting win back in 2013 against Angel Dionda, who does not have his own Wikipedia entry. <laughs> uh, so you could probably guess the quality of competition there all the way back in World Series of Fighting 4. Sponge is a veteran, uh, you know, BK1. He's boxed, he's kickboxed, and he's got two MMA fights. This is his third MMA fight, and he's headlining here against a very uh, – well-known MMA veteran that goes back all the way to Pride. I mean, he was in uh, Pride back in 2003 at Bushido 1, okay? He has wins over Maria Hua, over Pedro Hizo, over Alistair Overeem, over Andre Arlovsky, okay? He has wins over Roy Nelson in Bellator. He's been around the world and back. He just never had a stop in the UFC, uh, kind of an exciting fight. Who you got? I'm going to take Spong in this one. Uh, it's pretty easy to pick Spong in this one because, it's like, if you look at his kickboxing record, he, he's pretty incredible at kickboxing. You know, obviously losses sprinkled in here and there to, to some really high-level dudes. I would say I really wish we got to see more of his MMA career when he was in his prime. You know, you mentioned the Angel DeAnda fight. Angel Deanda was actually on Contender Series. He was 11-2 when he fought Spong back in 2013, and he lost to a 1-0 Spong, which really tells you the potential that Spong has always had. 
Of course, he he's used that mostly for boxing and kickboxing and things like that. If he was stepping in here with a with a guy who could wrestle him up, I'd probably pick against him. But the thing is, is Sergey Karatanov isn't going to do that. He's going to throw hands with him. This is going to be a glorified kickboxing match, and for that reason, I like Spong here. I think he's going to be faster, hit harder. Um, and whether or not he's going to be able to make you know waves in the MMA world if he wants to stay in it, I think it's sort of up for debate. But at the same time, I'm still backing him. All right, no argument from me. We have a former light heavyweight, usually light heavyweight champion in the next fight. Rashad Evans was on a five-fight losing streak in the UFC and then retired in 2018. He's back. Has four years off been the magic potion? Is that how he's found the fountain of youth? He's fighting Gabriel Checo, a grappling ace, 11-5 and five in MMA, coming off a win over Simon Marini back at XMMA 3, in October of 2021, um, again, known for his grappling and favored here quite heavily against the former UFC light heavyweight champion, Checo, the minus 245 favorite. You get Rashad Evans, the former UFC light heavyweight champion, at about a 2-1 to one dog. He's plus 195 right now. Who you got? It's funny that you mentioned Angel Deanda earlier. Checo has actually beat Deanda as well during his career. Um, but the other thing about him is... While we, you know, he, he's coming off a win at XMMA, and, and he hasn't really fought much MMA before that, uh, unless you go back a year or two, his grappling record includes some absolutely crazy names that he's grappled against. He's grappled against Gordon Ryan. He's grappled against Craig Jones. He's grappled against William Tackett. And for those of you who might not be super grappling nerds, like those guys and, and Mason Fowler uh, are like some of the top guys in the, the um, biz, but... While he didn't beat a lot of those guys, he does beat anybody in grappling that's an MMA guy. You know, he's beaten Philip Rowe and Danilo Marquez and, like, guys like that. Like, he, he goes and takes care of Austin Vanderford, Mr. Paige Van Zandt. He's a quality grappler. And it's one of those things, again, where it's just, like, it's an awful matchup for the older guy here, right? Whether or not you believed Rashad Evans would be able to go in there and grapple somebody up, because he's always got that wrestling to fall back on. You might think that that's still there, but the problem is, is he's fighting a guy who is a little bit younger than him. Granted, not a ton younger than him, but definitely a lot fresher than him, in a lot better shape than him, in much more season than him as of late. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Checho here, mostly just fading the fact that I don't believe Rashad Evans has still got it. We got a battle of UFC veterans here, one more recent than the other. Ray Borg is fighting for Eagle FC. He, of course, left the UFC off a Ricky Simon loss via split decision back in May of 2020. Showed up in UAE Warriors, had a win over Jesse Arnett. So his record now stands at 14-5 and in MMA. Once a very highly touted prospect, feeling like the sky was the limit for Ray Borg, but it just didn't work out in the UFC. He's fighting Cody Gibson who uh, as a pro is 18 and seven. He's fought in the likes of LFA, uh, XMMA, but he was in the UFC back in 2015, 2014. He went one and three losses to Douglas Silva, Dondrad, Manville Gamburian, and Al Jermaine frickin Sterling, who is our current 135 pound champ, but one and three in the UFC. So it didn't quite work out for him there either in this matchup. Both guys, Fighting for relevance or to stay relevant, Borg, the minus 175 favorite, Cody Gibson, the plus 145 dog, who you got? I'm actually going to go underdog here with Cody Gibson. Uh, I, I know Ray Borg was really at the top of that flyweight division for a while, and, and there's a lot of reason to still believe in him. 
But I'm going to go with Gibson here because he looks so damn good his last time out. You know, I think a lot of people underestimate him because he took three years away. He came back immediately, starched a good prospect in Louis Sandaukas, uh, and then beat John Dodson. He's coming off a win over John fucking Dodson, which is not an easy win to get. And he did so by decision, which shows... You know, he's he's more than just a guy who needs to go in there and flatline somebody quick. He can outstrike or outgrapple John Dodson. That gives him a lot of faith in my my book. And for that reason, I, you know, I like him over Ray Borg, who's been having obviously some personal troubles and some some weight troubles and all those kinds of things that have really dragged down his career. And you know, I, he did beat Jesse Arnett, so I am giving him that. But this is a guy who probably does not grapple as much, especially with this being up at 135. I'm taking the dog Gibson. Our underdog is a name UFC fans might remember, John Howard, plus 300. Yeah, I'm taking John Howard over Ramazan Kuramagomedov. So for those of you who uh, just see that Russian name and are instantly like, oh, he's got to be a beast, he is pretty good. But here's the problem. I saw him on the Contender Series, and he, in my opinion, lost a decision to Jordan Williams. Yes, he's still undefeated because he somehow eked out a split decision that I did not see his way. I thought Jordan beat Williams beat the brakes off of him. And when you consider Jordan Williams' run in the UFC, which involved three straight losses to Nasruddin Imovov, Mickey Gall, and Ian Gary, it certainly doesn't bode well that Kuramagomedov even having beat him won by split decision. You know, it's it's kind of an ugly way to the UFC. And in addition to that, he really wasn't able to wrestle to Jordan Williams. And I'll say this, John Howard might be old, John Howard might not still be himself, but at plus 300, the idea that he might be a better wrestler than Kura Megamedov, it's tempting enough for me that I'm picking him as my underdog of the week. I really like that pick, and I like that he's a plus 300. You can really make your money back there. Gumby, I don't want to ruin the surprise. Why don't you tell people our parlay to play? All right, our parlay to play this week is my old Hunt Singer at negative 180. We're going to pair him with Loik Rodsvanov, and he is betting off at negative 350. So two pretty sizable favorites, but if you pair them together, you're going to get even money odds. I really like Miles Hunsinger. I actually think he probably was the favorite to win the Ultimate Fighter recently before he obviously had to drop out with a leg injury. Dana White's never going to sign him back because he left it when the doctor said that he could have fought. Um, obviously, not fighting injured, not a big deal. It's maybe the smarter thing to do there. Um, but it put him out of favor with the UFC boss. So now he's fighting here in Eagle FC. He's fighting DeMarquez Johnson, who, who you might have remembered from being in the UFC as well. I think he's just a better wrestler, better overall fighter, and I think we're going to get to see a lot of what we should have saw on The Ultimate Fighter. Rosmanov, you might remember from PFL, uh, he was a finalist, and damn good, he's going to be fighting Zach Zane, who I've never really been high on through his Bellator days, and obviously the bookmakers aren't either, so that's why you're seeing him at negative 350. So I'm liking pairing them together, getting plus money odds over it. I think ultimately this will probably be one of the safer parlays I ever give you on this show. Boom. We just broke down Eagle FC. Let us know if you liked it. Let us know if you hated the picks. You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting this weekend. Always good for a ha-ha here or there, some good information. Uh, so, you know, hey, join us on social media. Same goes for Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, this train is a moving down the tracks. Where do we go next? 
Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Jason the Vanilla Gorilla Wit, who talks a lot about his upcoming fight, but also about his sleep schedule, which is uh, kind of an interesting topic of conversation. So we're going to be talking to him about that in just a moment. But before we do, I do need to let you know that this interview with Jason Wit is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Jason, the Vanilla Gorilla Wit. All right, and joining me now is Jason Witt, who fights Phil Rowe at UFC Vegas 47. That fight is on February 5th. So, Jason... I wanted to start by talking about your last fight, because obviously, you know, you come off of kind of a tough loss uh, to Matt Smellisberger, and, and you bounce back with what is probably the biggest win of your career. You beat Brian Barberena, a guy with a really big name behind him. W what did that win mean to you, and what was it like, you know, immediately following that win? Yeah, man, that was that was by far the biggest uh, win in my career. Um Coming off the Simmelsberger loss, that was that was really a tough one to take. Uh, but you know, it, it taught me a lot of things of, of what I need to do outside the gym in terms of in terms of rest and recovery. You know, I, I train a lot. I do everything I'm supposed to do. But there was there was a time I was pushing myself, uh, not getting enough sleep, working too much, and it just it really really took a toll. And I think uh, you kind of got to see the, the the other side of that as I got more sleep and I fought Brian Barberina. Um, man, that that fight meant everything. You know, it was it was one of those fights that. If I lose that fight, I'm three and one in the UFC. Uh, I, I'm I'm probably gonna get cut, and I'm I'm pretty much retiring at that point. Um, so I, I don't want to go back to the local scenes. I don't want to fight anymore after that. So so to win that fight, I got a four fight contract, and I got a five the night bonus. So I mean, to, that has to be like the 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 most pinnacle career, point in my career. Um, so it meant everything, honestly. Yeah, and I want to take it back to one thing you said real quickly there, and we'll talk a little bit more about the win afterwards. But you mentioned rest and recovery being a big part of it, and you mentioned sleep in there twice. What was the big change? Just that, like you, you know, you put yourself into bed and you made sure that you slept more, or were there other, you know, like rest and recovery type things that you worked on leading up to that fight? No, honestly, it was. Uh, so I own a personal training studio uh, where I live at, and and I was running classes, and I'm. I'm I would say I'm an entrepreneur because I have my own couple of own businesses. Um, but I was waking up like 4 a.m. and running classes from 5 till 9. Then I go to training, then I go back, and then I go back to training. And it's just I wouldn't get home till like 10 o'clock and I'd be at 4 o'clock. So, like, as much as I was training, the sleep just was – I wasn't getting enough sleep to recover at all. And it really took a toll on my body. Uh, I went to the PI Institute, and they told me that, like, hey, man, you're pretty much the most stressed athlete we have on the roster. You have to do something to change. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so really just, just even adding two hours of sleep a night, you know, uh, 14 hours a day or 14 hours a week, sorry, uh, just really made a huge difference. And, and you obviously, saw, you obviously saw the outcome of, of me getting more sleep, me resting more, me taking care of my body better in the Barbarina fight. For sure. Yeah. And, and we saw, like you said, extra amounts of action because uh, you want a bonus, you know, in, in a $50,000 okay. bonus, especially at this point in time in your career is a huge amount of money. Did you have plans for the 50000 after you got it? And also, were you surprised that you got it? Uh, one, I have a wife, so there's no plans. <laughs> uh, no, we, we have a couple of investment things that we, that we put our money into. Uh, we also furnished a couple in the house. 
But man, with with COVID, like we ordered furniture in uh, in January, and we didn't get it till like August, November, somewhere like <laughs> somewhere around there. Like it was crazy. So we paid a couple things. Um, no, um, yeah, we, I didn't really have a lot of fancy money. I did, you know, the way the fight went, and and as crazy as the third round was, I knew I had round one and round two decisively. There's no way um, that I could have lost those. But round three was a very very hectic hectic ground um but i knew coming into it that i that i that i should have won and with that round and the way everybody's talking about it i i said it was going to be a, a fight of the night wow and we're glad that you got it now l- let's talk a little bit about the fight coming up because it, it's kind of an interesting one you got phil Rowe here a guy who takes a lot of pride in jiu-jitsu we see him in jiu-jitsu competitions all the time and you know you mentioned you kind of had two rounds banked there against brian barbarena because your wrestling had been so good in addition to other things, but your wrestling particularly was taking a toll on Brian Barberena. So my question for you is, how do you feel like that aspect of the game goes with you both being guys who kind of love to grapple? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it works out in my favor, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, he, Everybody's talking about how he's doing jiu-jitsu matches with this guy, doing jiu-jitsu matches with this guy. Those are jiu-jitsu-based guys. That's all they do is jiu-jitsu. They don't mind being on their backs. They're not putting pressure on you. They're not sitting there. They're not hitting the face. If you look at the way I fight, my wrestling style is is pressure. It's top base. All I'm trying to do is get you in a position that I can hit you as many times as I can until you try to get out of another position. I'm just trying to exhaust you. They're just they're they're jiu-jitsu is, is a great sport. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm way different than any of those jiu-jitsu guys. And then the way I play is is way different. And you mentioned trying to exhaust people in there, and that's kind of been the, the the sort of style you've kept your whole career. I'm curious, with the additional sleep, which obviously is a, is a huge factor here, do you feel like in training leading up to the Barbarena fight and leading up to this fight that your cardio is also one of the things that's that's obviously taking the uh, the biggest step forward? Yeah, absolutely. My my whole game is, is recovered a lot more. Um, just just adding more sleep just really like gives my body more rest and I have good cardio. I really do. Um, and I, I've had this conversation a couple of times, but I have a good chin. I know that sounds crazy because I got knocked out two times, but, but if you look at those, those are, one was a 48 hour notice fight, which I didn't have enough time to rehydrate and, and get my brain back to normal. And the Semmelsberger fight was just a, a weight cut that, that, and I'm taking, not taking away from Semmelsberger at all. He turned square. But if you look at that, the weight cut was way worse. My body was not recovered. I didn't get to rehydrate my brain as much. And when I got hit, the, the lights went out now people were talking about my chin and all that stuff but then you look at the barbarina fight with me getting sleep with me with me recovering lay better i took a lot of shots from him that would have put a lot of people out so, i mean you can't really you can't really argue that fact more absolutely i, I think you're 100 percent correct on that nobody would ever doubt the chin of somebody who took that many punches from brian barbarina a guy who's got absolute dynamite in his hands now let, let's return to talking good thing yeah, let's talk about Phil Rowe a little bit more here, because usually before I let my fighters go, I do like to try to get a prediction out of them. You know, you mentioned you feel like you can grind them out. You feel like you can put that pressure on. Is that the way you see this fight ending? I do. I really do. Smaller cage, uh, I think, works in my favor for this one. Um, putting him in the cage, he likes to back up quite a bit. And I think putting him in his cage, taking him down, and I really feel like I have a good wrestling advantage here. Uh, and just grinding him out. I don't plan on doing a lot of jiu-jitsu. I'm just keeping pressure on him, wearing him down until he quits. Um, and I, really, I do believe he will quit. I, I believe he'll, he'll – and there's different forms of quit. There's there's tapping out, but there's also the quit where you know you're supposed to get up, but you don't. That's still quitting. You still know you're you're, you're supposed to do this, but you're not doing it. Um, and I think 
I was in the hot tub with him last time uh, when I fought Barbarino when he fought his last time too. And he was asking me how to cut weight. And that's cool. I was super friendly. But, like, you missed weight. Like, I know you quit there. Like, I've seen you, you, I've seen you personally quit. So, it's like, you quit there. I know you're going to quit when you're in a, in a worse situation with me. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you do that. Now, before I do let you go, I'd like to ask one more question here because I, a connoisseur of fine MMA name. I think they're the best part of the fight game. And you have got one of the best ones in the game. Do you mind sharing with me the story of how you became the vanilla gorilla, Jason Witt? <laughs> I don't mind sharing it at all. No, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, um, you don't get to pick your own nicknames, right? It just doesn't work that way. Um, I love the name. I think it's fantastic. Um, so at the time of my career, is my last entry, honestly, uh, I won 55 and it was a terrible weight cut. I, I didn't do it right. I didn't know what to do back then. Um, I made 55 and I fought and a month later I blew up to like 198, 200 pounds. Like I was, I was, I was still a six pack, but I was like, I was big. You just tell I was a lot bigger and I was, I was born very athletic and I'm strong and like I pressure a lot of people. And uh, just one day, my coach was like, man, you look like a vanilla gorilla, Jason High. And everybody in the class was laughing. This was about a month before my first professional fight. And I was like, man, if I can walk in a cage and somebody announces my name and I laugh at it, that means it has to do something. It has to, it has to calm my nerves a little bit. Um, so for, from then on, I just kind of stuck with it. Absolutely love the story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Once again, fans, this is Jason Witt, who fights Phil Rowe at UFC Vegas 47. That fight is on February 5th. Jason, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you so much. Take it easy. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and Double Nickel Sports Betting for sponsoring the show and helping keeping us afloat. And we want to remind you guys to check us out at Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA and Instagram, same handle there, at Top Turtle MMA. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.